listening to Impact Sports Daily, WDBM's daily rundown of all things sports. Welcome everybody to another episode of Impact Sports Daily. I am your host, Matt Merrifield, joined today with Jada Coster here in the basement from Holden Hall on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon in East Lansing. Got a lot to talk about today. Major League Baseball announced their Hall of Fame class last night. Michigan State basketball returned to the court against Illinois and Sean Payton, the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, announced that he would be leaving New Orleans after his 16th season. After 16 seasons with the Saints, so we're going to talk about all that here on this episode. Starting off with the 2022 Major League Baseball Hall of Fame class announced last night, only one player will be inducted into Cooperstown in July, and that is Boston legend David Ortiz. Jay, what were your what are your thoughts on him getting selected? In? Yeah, I wasn't really surprised. I mean, what David Ortiz has done for that city, and especially off the field with the Boston bombing, you know, hugging the, I'll never forget him hugging the police officers and firefighters, uh, the day uh, the day during one of the one of the Red Sox games at, after that horrific day. You know, just what he, what he did for that city, and you know, saying this is our effing city, and you know all that stuff, and then his clutch moments on the field. Obviously the uh, the the Tigers the, the, that Tigers moment the Tigers fans won't remember the Grand Slam uh, to put him up in I believe what was it Game Six or something like that uh, yeah, in the ALCS like in it was a great yes. moment for him and obviously in 2004 the against the Yankees in the ALCS that was a great moment that, that was a great moment that Grand Slam or that walk off so yeah he's he's a legend um, but I I wouldn't say I'm surprised but Barry Bonds Roger Clemens and Kurt Schilling not getting in I mean three guys that I think sh- should all be in, especially Barry Bonds, what he did, you know, in major league baseball, hitting 760, 60 something home runs. It's just crazy number. So I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty surprised that he's not in. Yeah. It caused quite a stir last night when they announced the uh, ballot uh, results and Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, all on their final years on the ballot. None of them getting in. Barry Bonds is probably the most surprising of all of them. The most feared hitter in all of baseball, probably in its history. Uh, all-time leader in home runs. Uh, just Every time he stepped up to the plate, you expected him to either hit a home run or the other team to just walk him. That's the, the type of hitter he was and the com- respect he commanded. I mean, not many players in Major League history get intentionally walked with the bases loaded. Like they're just, he, he was that great of a hitter. And the fact that Major League Baseball, I know it's not Major League Baseball, I understand it's the writers, but the fact that he is not being put into the Hall of Fame is very disappointing, especially after the career he had. Yeah, exactly, and this is crazy. He get, he got walked with the bases loaded. It was an eight six game. Giants up, or, Giants up eight to six. He gets walked with the bases loaded with the bottom of the ninth with two outs. Like who, who, who would do that today? I don't think anybody would. That that just shows how, you know, how fear, how great he was. And I know we're talking about like he did PEDs and stuff, but like they all did PEDs back then. Like baseball, there's a time in baseball where just like almost everybody did PEDs. Like especially Sammy Sosa, and he's he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. Um, but you know, I'm just I'm looking at these numbers. You know, 762 home runs, almost 3,000 hits, a 300 batting average for his career. Just stunning numbers. Um, and yeah, I just don't understand. Like in the way, like he changed, like like you said, Matt, the way he changed the sport because you're what you, the way he came up to the plate, you're saying, oh, this guy's gonna hit a home run. So yeah, it's just it's pretty it's pretty surprising at this point that he's not in, but I wouldn't say like it's a surprise from the baseball writers. So no, I I kind of expected it to happen, especially after he hadn't yeah. been elected the first nine times he was on the ballot. To think it would change on the tenth, 
it was hopeful thinking for many, but obviously it didn't come true. It, it's disappointing that baseball is trying to almost just forget the era, the steroids era of baseball, which I understand it left a black mark on the game, but at the same time, it was probably when it was most popular, and it just it, it was a great time in baseball. It was an exciting time. Everybody was watching it, and they should embrace, even though, yes, they were cheating. Taking a taking steroids does not help you make contact with the baseball. It does not true. help you hit a curveball. So the fact that Barry Bonds was still able to hit what he hit, yeah, sure, his 500-foot home run wouldn't have gone 500 feet without him taking steroids, but that ball's still going 420, and that's well out of the park at, at uh, uh, sorry, uh, AT&T Park, whatever exactly. it's called now in San Francisco, right? So he, the greatest hitter of all time, it's just disappointing to see that he doesn't get in. A couple other guys that did not get in that I think should have. One big one was Alex Rodriguez, his second year on the ballot. He got 34% of the votes which isn't bad. Um, you need 75% to get in. Hopefully he gets in. I understand he has a uh, he has a black mark on him for uh, expected steroid use, but David Ortiz, who got inducted uh, last night, obviously was a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he was linked to using PEDs. So I don't think it's fair to just pick and choose who you're going to outlaw and who you're not when it comes to voting. I think, it's, I think honestly they should just let everybody, like, you know, everybody gets their shot to get in a, but that, that's just the way uh, the writers like to do it. Uh, it's just the way yeah. the Baseball Hall of Fame is. Yeah. And like you said, like, base, like PEDs, like, they make you stronger, but, like, baseball, baseball is the hardest, like, out of the five sports, I, I, I believe it's the, the hardest thing to do is hit a baseball. And the way Barry Bonds did it, like, he, he, made, he made it look super easy. So, I mean, it's just, I feel like, I feel like Barry should be in, but that's just me, yeah. so... Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of people that feel that way. We'll have to wait and see if he gets in through the Veterans Committee, uh, which is probably likely to happen. But it's not. It's unfortunate because of being the greatest hitter of all time. He shouldn't have to backdoor his mm -hmm. way into the Hall of Fame. They should embrace him with open arms and let him and give him the full ceremony. But that obviously won't happen. Next year, we'll have to wait and see who else gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. Carlos Beltran the former a journeyman in Major League Baseball. He played I, everywhere. If you named a Major League Baseball team, he probably played for him in his time. He will likely be a Hall of Famer, I would think. I'm not sure if he'll be first ballot, but he gets his first shot next year. And then Francisco Rodriguez, who holds the record for most saves in a single season with 62, is also on the ballot next year. So we'll have to wait and see if they will be, and if they are, or any other players will be first ballot Hall of Famers. Moving on to basketball, last night, Michigan State returned to the floor in Champaign to take on the Fighting Illini. They lost 56-55, to even with Illinois missing both Curbelo and Kofi Coburn, their big-time center. Jay, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, like, like you said, it was, it was tough because both Curbelo and Kofi were out, and those are Illinois' two best players, in my opinion. And the way that the way that MSU responded down the stretch was very, very impressive, to be honest. You know, that down 34-20 at the half, being able to come down the stretch and make some tough shots, especially Joey Hauser hitting two really clutch threes down the stretch. You know, it was it was just tough because that was a game that you should have been been able to win. I I know I know it was on the road, but you know, it was a game MSU should have been able to win. Um I think down the stretch, especially for the Michigan game, I think Marcus Bingham needs to be able to play in these in these late games. Um for you know, for Tom Mizzo to put uh, Gabe Brown at the five and Joey Hauser at the four. It was just it was pretty disappointing that Marcus Bingham wasn't able to play in that game late 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 in the stretch in the last you know five to ten minutes. So yeah. it was unfortunate to see. Obviously Bingham has always struggled with conditioning. 
getting COVID at the end of December didn't has not helped with that. Tom has always made that clear. That's part of the reason why he only played 18 minutes last night. You're going to need to see him play a lot more on Saturday. Going up against Michigan, Hunter Dickinson, top I would say top two center in the Big Ten, whether you yep. want to put him ahead of Coburn or not is up to you. Bingham's got to be out there to help guard him. He's got the size to match up with Dickinson. Uh, Sissoko's just not ready yet to play big-time minutes. And Marble, just size-wise, does not match up well. Yep. So you're definitely going to need Bingham out there. I mean, in 18 minutes last night, Bingham had four blocks. And I, yeah. honestly, with the way he's been playing this year, you'd like to see him play closer to 25, I mean, 28 minutes, right? You want to see him on the floor more than half the game as the type of center he is. So you'd only imagine the impact he'd have if he got to play more minutes. And, I mean, it's early, it's January, right? You want Tom Izzo to get his legs back now, so that way in March he's out yep. there when that the times you need him most. But it's just disappointing to see when you know the guy that you need to be out there is on the bench and you just can't have him out there at the time. I agree. And MSU is a different team with with, Mar- with Bingham on the court. I mean, like I, like you said, there's four blocks. I mean, he just – he. he his defensive presence out there in the in these in these games is just it's it's it shows a lot. So yeah, I, I hope Marcus Bingham is able to play down the stretch here, um, more like more minutes down the stretch here to closer to you know twenty six to twenty five minutes a game. So we'll have to see. But yeah, another another impressive performance by him. Um, I just hope he can get more minutes. So we'll have to see it for the Michigan game, especially going up against like like you said Hunter Dickinson, one of the best centers in the Big Ten. So. Yeah, definitely. Another issue for State last night was their shooting. They struggled yep. shooting just uh, 21% from three, three for 14, 34% from the field. And that's the reason they lost the game. Obviously, the, the slow start in the first half, scoring just 20 points, just it can't happen in a Big Ten game. It's so tough to come back in this conference, which they did. They got it to within one, uh, but it's just tough to see. They shot well at the free throw line. They played great defense, in the sec- especially in the second half. The first half, Illinois just couldn't miss which was unfortunate to see, but uh, Illinois finished just 31% from three, so you definitely saw the difference in the second half with their Michigan State's defense. So it just, last night just came down to hitting their shots when they needed it most, and they just needed to you know, not have that slow start that they had yep. in the first half. And then the turnovers have been better. I mean, you know, turn the ball over... Ten times, not nine, ten times in the first in the first half was not great, but they like in the late eleven turnovers for the whole game. So that 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 was a positive. Um, you know, Illinois with seven turnovers and MSU with eleven. I think that's important for the Michigan game on Saturday. Not turning the ball over, um, continuing to not turn turn the ball over as much as, as I said because you know in the beginning part of the season, especially the Nebraska game, the the turnovers were out of control. I mean, they had like what fifteen turnovers in the first half or something like that. I mean that just cannot happen. So, but it's imp- it's it's impressive to see them not turn the ball over as much because you can't do that in March. So, yeah, we'll have to see down the stretch here. Yeah, my only two concerns, the big concerns from last night were really uh, Max Christie didn't play well uh, again. Yeah. He's really struggling. He's really struggling shooting the ball right now. It happens. Uh, he's a freshman. He's still learning. He's getting acclimated. He's still been great defensively, which that's all you can ask from a kid, especially when you're struggling offensively, is still be active on defense. The shot will come. I really believe so. And my only other concern would be Gabe Brown. Uh, he's Michigan State's best player, right? He should be the go-to guy to right. go get him a bucket. And last night, they they didn't have him in. I think it was like the 10-minute mark. You look up, they're trying to make a comeback, and he's not in the game, which I thought was weird. And then when they brought him in, you got him hiding in the corner. I just I don't yeah. think that's the where he needs to be. He needs to be active, going to hunt his shot. He didn't shoot the ball that great last night, but when you're trying to make a comeback, a double-digit comeback, you just get it to your best guys and let them go to work. And they didn't let let them do that last night. I know some people were upset with the final shot, well, the second to last final shot with Tyson Walker. 
not why it wasn't in Gabe Brown's hands. I have no issue with the ball being in Walker's hands in that situation. He's the best, I would say he's the best playmaker on the team right now. So letting him dribble and find somebody to get open, whether it's Malik, whether it's Gabe, whether it's Max, or pretty much anybody on the floor can go out and get a bucket, whether it's Tyson himself. I think just my only issue with the final shot was your best shot is to make a pull-up mid-range shot with mm-hmm. five seconds. It was just a weird shot for me. Yeah. I didn't really understand the sh- thought process there. You definitely saw Tom Izzo was not happy with the shot selection after that play, as he definitely let Tyson Walker have it afterwards. But it was just a tough tough uh, game to lose last night. Thought one you'd like to see pull out. It's going to make a difference down the stretch when you, when it comes down to Big Ten title time. right? If you want to win the Big Ten outright, going on the road and beating a team like Illinois is a game you just you'd like to have. Exactly, and going back to Gabe Brown, four for nine shooting, one, one of five on th- for three. I mean, it just wasn't his night, and it's just not the, not the Gabe Brown I'm used to seeing th- throughout the season. Um, only ten points, and like you said, Matt, sitting in the corner, like that's just not. I don't like. I don't like when Gabe Brown is like that. I like him being active and moving around, moving around the perimeter. So, yeah, that that'll happen. But um, and like a, and, and back to Tyson Walker. I don't, yeah, I don't think Tom is. I don't think that was a play Tom Izzo drew up. So, I just think that that was just a, a pull up shot like that, um, contested pull up shot like that. I just, I didn't. That was just, that was just a weird shot. But you know, it'll happen. Um, I, I, I hope that changes moving forward. So, and in, in these in these close games, and then Malik Hall missing that free throw, it's just it's it's the same with Marcus Bingham against Northwestern. You gotta make your you gotta make your free throws. I, I know MSU's been much better at the free throw line, but. And the clutch, you know, you gotta make your free throws. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, yeah, definitely. Just a tough one to draw. Obviously, uh, you now they fall to second in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Illinois takes control first with the win. It's unfortunate. Michigan State gets another crack at Illinois in the middle of February. Uh, they play February nineteenth on a Saturday afternoon in East Lansing. Be a, probably be another very exciting game at the Breslin. Be fun to watch, yep. and it should be exciting. Hopefully, hopefully you get to see Coburn and Illinois fully healthy versus a fully healthy Michigan yep. State team because two very good teams. I think they're the two best teams in the Big Ten right now, the way they're playing. So it's definitely going to be a fun game to watch when they come back. State's going to need a big bounce back on Saturday against Michigan at home. Obviously, the game in the Ann Arbor got canceled a couple weeks ago, so definitely hoping to see a lot of energy between both teams in that one. Jay, what do you expect to see in that one? Yeah, I'm, 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 ex- I'm excited to see a, you know, an MSU team that you know coming off a tough loss. Uh, I think they're going to bounce back pretty handily here. Um, I really hope so because it's not going to be an easy game. Michigan is playing really well right now. Obviously, beating Indiana 80 to 62 on the road um, at Assembly Hall was very impressive, to be honest. And Hunter Dickinson is going to be a problem. Um, for, in, I, I hope, like I said, I hope Marcus Bingham is going to be in the game a lot because going up against against Hunter Dickinson is going to be really entertaining to watch. Um, but this is no pushover game against your rival, um, a team that's playing much better. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty close game, but I think MSU gets the job done because they're, they're not going to be happy after that performance on Tuesday. Yeah, so. Michigan uh, takes on Northwestern tonight, so obviously yep. it helps State get in that extra day of rest. Yep, uh, it's going to be a tough one against Northwestern. Northwestern's obviously a pretty good team. They win and into the Breslin and beat Michigan State two weeks ago. Michigan is playing a lot better recently, so I'm very excited to watch the game. Hopefully this is one of those games where Michigan State gets a little little wake-up call and says, all right, we're going to show up on Saturday and go out and get it. So yep. we'll just have to wait and see. Definitely should be a fun one to watch. The crowd should be into it. Everybody in the arena should be into it. The entire state should be into it, obviously. So it'll definitely be a fun game, and everybody is looking forward to it. Moving into the NFL, 
with all the head coaching vacancies between Miami, between Denver, Minnesota, everywhere everywhere you look, there's a head coaching vacancy in the NFL. And now New Orleans is in the search for a new head coach after Sean Payton just announced yesterday that he is leaving the Saints after 16 seasons. Stunning. Stunning, honestly. Jay, what I mean, are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, after 16 seasons, I mean, he's, he's only 50, I think he's like 57 years old. I mean, he said he's going to step away, um, and he said he's not going to come back next year, but he didn't say he, didn't say he was going to officially retire. So, I mean, as a Bears fan, I would love Sean Payton because he's a Chicago guy. He's got the Chicago roots. I would love him to coach this team because going from Nagy to Sean Payton would just be a, would be a pipe dream. But, yeah, I mean, what Sean Payton did for that team, um, you know, taking them, to t- taking them to a Super Bowl and winning against the Colts, um, they should have been the Super Bowl in 2018, but the pass interference, the botched pass interference call. Um, I mean, what he di- what he did for that team and Drew Brees was just was just made me actually really like the Saints. I really respect them as a franchise and really like them. Um, and Drew Brees and Sean Payton were the leaders of that, obviously. So yeah, you could argue that Sean Payton is probably the most impactful hire in the NFL just for a franchise yep. behind Bill Belichick. What he did yeah. with that Saints franchise. Him and Drew Brees just completely changed the outlook. The Saints, before he got there, were, I mean, just a terrible franchise. Nobody wanted to play for him. The fans weren't really into it. And then he steps in. Drew Brees takes over at QB, and it's a whole new whole new team, whole new energy with that. They're one of the better-run franchises now. They draft well. They scout well. They sign good free agents. They have a great defense right now. So I, it's definitely... He definitely changed New Orleans for the better, and I'm excited to see where this franchise goes without him. Obviously, Drew Brees retired last year, so definitely a new look with them. I'm excited to see, you know, they have a lot of big decisions to make this season, this offseason, especially with quarterback. They're $74 million over the cap, which Yikes. is a little rough if you ask me. So you're definitely going to have to make some tough decisions. And it's going to be an issue not having Sean Payton there to help, but I think the Saints will fight their way through it. Yeah, and it looks like, and it looks like from reports, Saint Dennis Allen is favored to be the next head coach of the Saints, but we'll have to see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised by that. I think Dennis Allen's a very respected name in the game, and he's their defensive coordinator. Obviously, their defense has been very good over the last few years, um, comparing to where they were like ten years ago. Um, Yeah, I think. You know, I think for the Saints here, look, signing Taysom Hill to that extension doesn't really help. Look, Taysom Hill is a pretty solid player, but signing him to that amount of money was a little bit of a head-scratcher. And then obviously you have Alvin Kamara on the books. Uh, you have Marshawn Lattimore on the books. You have a lot of these guys under contract to Mario Davis. It's going to be a tough little rebuild here for the Saints because I think they're in for a couple-year a, a couple rebuild slash retool here. So Yeah, the... Uh... Everybody was making fun of the NFC East this year and last year for not being a very good division. If Tom Brady retires, the NFC South is really bad. Like, because you take him out. Yeah, the Panthers who, are who, bad. Who, like, who becomes the best quarterback in the division if Tom Brady leaves? You, Matt Ryan, right? I, I guess. And some people are saying that he might be done in Atlanta. Not really sure because, I mean, do they want to actually full rebuild or not? So... Yeah, the NFC, uh, the NFC South is quickly looking very bleak right now. I mean, who who's next up in Tampa? Uh, Kyle Trask as their next yeah. quarter. I mean, they'll probably go out and get somebody, but it's just that division is quickly very open. I mean, the NFC North, if if Aaron Rodgers leaves like many expect him to, the NFC North is going to be wide open. So I'm excited for next year to see some of these younger teams that not many are really excited to see, but there's a lot of open, uh, open opportunities for a team to take over and establish themselves. 
And, you know, the Lions, the Bears, they have their opportunity in the North. The Panthers, they probably have the most complete team in the South after the Buccaneers. I don't know. I, it, it's it's a wide-open division, so I'm definitely excited to see how it shakes out next year. Yeah, I mean, the Panthers, I mean, that quarterback situation's a mess. And then you hire Ben McAdoo as your offensive coordinator. Like, I mean, come on now. But, I mean, they have a really good defense, but, like, outside of that, like, what? I don't know. Like, whatever. Yeah, yeah going back to your point, uh, I think the Saints, it would be smart to sign Dennis Allen as your head coach. Yeah. Uh, keeping that culture in the locker room with, I mean, it's what he's established, having probably a very underrated defense, I'd say. They almost got New Orleans to the playoffs by themselves, obviously, with all the injuries that the Saints had this year. Uh, being, what did they miss by a game with no, with yeah, missing it, Jameis Winston for half, half a year, no Michael Thomas, uh, other injuries. I, I think what they did this year was very impressive, and I think uh, I think keeping Dennis Allen in the fold would definitely help them continue and build forward for that franchise. Yeah, I think... Especially like that game in December where they won nine and nothing over the Buccaneers. Like that defense carried that team down the stretch and go nine and eight. And I I think if Jameis didn't get hurt, I think that team that would have been a playoff team because you had Taysom Hill basically Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon as your starter most like down the stretch of the season. So yeah, I think I think if Jameis would have been fully healthy, I think that would have been a playoff team in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, just the amount of talent they have on that team. So yeah, I mean it's gonna be a tough little retool here for the Saints. I mean I think, you know, how smart with how smart they are in that really good front office there with Mickey Loomis, I think they can get back to yeah. what they were a couple of years ago. You know, in a, in a, you know, a couple of years here, maybe maybe a year, so we'll have to see, but yeah, we'll we'll yeah. We'll, we'll see here. So, I don't have the stat in front of me. I did before, unfortunately, I lost it, but the Saints finished 9 and 8 this year. Mm-hmm. Uh they only sorry, they went they went 9 and 2 with either not Simeon, with either Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston under center. In the six games where Trevor Simeon slash Ian Book started at quarterback for the Saints. They lost. They lost all six of those games. Obviously, you can attribute that to their nice little five-game losing streak through November. They were the only team in November to not win or tie a game. Even the Lions were able to plot a tie in November. So, I mean, obviously, take away that month, and they— they were a playoff team. I honestly think they would have been a better. They would have put up a better matchup against the Buccaneers than the Eagles would have in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely going to be interesting to see. They have a lot of cap decisions to make. Uh, Michael Thomas eats up a ton of cap space. I expect them to trade him in the offseason, To be honest, I think he wants yeah. out of New Orleans. I think I think it's time. I mean, he's a, he's a really talented receiver. Right. What he did, what he did in twenty, I think it was twenty eighteen, where he broke the rec- receiving record receiving record for catches. I mean, he's just he's done. He's done there. It's just yeah. it's time. So yeah, I think he needs to move on. But just other in other places, there's so many guys making a lot of money, and on defense, on the old line, it's just going to be tough to find out and try and piece it all together, and try and uh, put together a playoff team for next season. But it should be interesting. So that's going to do it for us today here at Impact Sports Daily. I'm your host Matt Merrifield, joined with Jay DeCoster today. Hope you have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to Impact Sports Daily.